Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into this week's edition of Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. And Phil and I are going to tackle the SVB uh, bank situation a little bit on this topic of this podcast. And we're going to just kind of bring that back around to uh, what's happened, uh, what does it maybe mean in a, in a bigger picture, mm-hmm. uh, and then also, Phil, let's just kind of bring it back into the individual, not so much from the, uh, is how this is going to affect me, we'll touch on that a little bit as right. well, but but really how a lesson we can learn in our own financial life from yeah. kind of what's happened on this much larger scale. Um, yep. I think it'll be a Less, good lessons to learn from this. Yeah, exactly. How, yeah, how, how they apply to you individually. So yeah, absolutely. I'm a much more concise thing. Lessons to learn yep. from SVB. There you go. There you go. Uh, how are you? First of all, doing good, doing good. good. Hey, sunshine in Michigan. It's March. We're, I'm good with that. So there you, there, you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, we got a lot to cover. So let's dive in here. As always, folks, if you got questions, need help, reach out to Phil before you take any action. Mm-hmm. Always check with a qualified professional. Phil is a CPA as well as a personal financial specialist, so a great resource for you to tap into. But uh, obviously, all the headlines, uh, Phil, at the time we're taping this, it's only been a couple of days uh, since uh, two bank collapses, but the the bigger one getting most of the attention right now has been the SVB, Silicon Bank. You know, investors came in. You've had a few phone calls from folks wondering, you know, what's going to happen? Does it affect me? So we just thought, hey, let's tackle in. Uh, what's the what's the kind of the crux of this thing here as to, as to what happened? I, I think a lot of it's been mentioned, but a lot of it is due to rising interest rates and and really uh, too much growth too fast, right? And just some poor leveraging and things like that. So break it down for us a little bit. Yeah, I, I guess that'd be a great place to start. Is okay. What really happened? What you know? Why? Because I mean, if if you dig into it, you start looking at it. I mean. Both of these banks, the, the bigger banks that failed, had just recently got their audit completed by KPMG um, right. with a clean bill of health, you know, for the right. for the 2020 audit. Um, they both were highly rated, you know, so by Moody's S&P, the, the rating company. So it's like, what in the world happened? How, how yeah. did this, you know, weeks later now, they're collapsed, they're gone. What What happened? Mm-hmm. And it all comes down to liquidity, right? I mean, what, what is a bank? How does a bank work? You know, everyone thinks of, well, I put my my money at the bank, they've got it in the vault in the back room, so I can go get it whenever I want it, right? And that's not not at all what happens. Um, I mean, when you deposit your money at the bank, you're really lending your money to that bank. Right, they're using it for other things. On their end, you are a creditor to the bank. You know, you're a secured creditor, um, you know, so you, you have that security of the FDIC, et cetera, but they're not keeping the money in the back of the vault. You don't want them to, they've got to earn something to pay you something. Yeah. So they turn around and lend the money. You know, granted, yeah, they do have to have some reserves to handle that liquidity back and forth, but it's never going to be enough. And you don't want it to be enough because they don't need it that much liquidity at once. So right. with SVB specifically, they grew so quick. I mean, they grew from yeah. 50 billion to over 200 billion in a, a matter of four years during COVID. They're a tech based company, you know, so all this money came flying in. Yeah, I see. Uh, didn't so, have lending going out to, to yeah. be able to, to, you know, use the funds effectively. So, yeah, it says they had uh, over $175 billion in deposits, which could theoretically generate about $8.9 billion in revenue annually uh, when you're thinking about to the, to right. the, you know, how they can take it and use it for something else. Yeah. So, I mean, on the surface, everything looked really good. Right. And I mean, they so what they did with the, the surplus that they had, rather than put it in loans because they weren't available, they bought long term treasuries. Kind of as a holding spot, so and they the were making interest, 
interest rate sensitive bonds, right? Which yeah, a little, like, yeah. little bit more than than what uh, they were having to pay depositors, you know. So they they were doing what sounded like a reasonable thing to do. Why I'm sure the auditors, everything else, passed with flying colors. But the all, challenge becomes the rate this. Yeah. yeah. So now we get the rate hikes, and those bonds start to become worth less and less because yeah. as interest rates rise, we all know bond values fall. Yeah. And they started to try to cover this management, knew this was coming and tried to help cover it. So then they went to raise capital to try to, you know, bring more capital in to, to sure up the balance sheet. That's kind of like and, and that's, the kind water. Of a, that's kind of a signal, right? And so right. unfortunately, yep. so all of a sudden the word got out that, hey, doesn't look like they're doing too well. There could be some problems. Get your money out. People start pulling deposits and they don't have it. So that's where things yeah. really, you know, they got caught. Well, so. you feel it, and I, I get the the concern on a bigger scale. Think uh, that it kind of reminds me of think back to the Greece collapse a number of years ago, right? right? Yeah. Now, granted, that was a national scale on national banks. And right. so, something to mention is that SVB is a very niche bank. It's not absolutely. A it's not, not your a normal. Bank. Yeah. yeah. But you think about in Greece when they started to have problems and it got out, people got panicked and were going to ATMs and and dumping out all their cash. Right. Just regular citizens, and that kind of expanded and expounded the the, the quickness of the collapse. Correct. We, we shouldn't see that kind of problem here because, again, this was a a niche bank. Now, I know we've had two, and it makes people concerned, but you know, it shouldn't be the same scenario. Yeah, no, not at all. And and so, and that's where FDIC comes in, right? Is that's the backstop that okay, they're going to protect investors up to the two fifty, right? Um, in in cases like this, but the biggest risk in bank problems like this is just that ripple effect across the whole banking industry of, hey, things aren't looking good. I'm going to go get my money out. Because if everyone tries to go to the bank and pull not even all their money, but a substantial piece of the money out, that's when bank collapse happen because they don't have the money, right? The cash isn't sitting in the vault to be able to give you cash now to, to put in your, you know, your safe at home or whatever it is. So they've got to create that liquidity. So the, the Fed's Close the bank down to prevent that. Help protect the investors, right? The, the depositors, right, right. right. Um, you know, in, in this case, they actually took it beyond the two fifty, which there are some provisions that allowed them to do that in these systemic right. risk type scenarios because they didn't want that ripple effect to get out, right? Yeah. Um, and the Fed has also now stepped up um, and made more lending options available to current banks. That in the event there is a run like this where people want their money back. Um, the banks no longer are going to get forced to sell the investments because SBV. So they ended up selling some of these treasuries at a huge loss to try to to cover these deposits leaving, and mm-hmm. that just you know compounded the effect. So now the Fed has backstopped that and said, "Hey, you don't have to do that. You can use those at face value with collateral to make it simple to these banks, so they have liquidity available." Right. Gotcha. So I mean, they they've stepped in to try to hedge some of this going forward. I got a couple of points here I wanted to add to that. So, and we yeah. got some of this information from the New York Post, uh, Bankrate.com, Bloomberg. Yeah, there's uh, all sorts of information out there. Some, on some it, different so. places here, but a couple of, of bottom line points on this, mm-hmm. Phil, just to kind of uh, help people understand is that, for example, so you're talking about the, the debts, right? right? So, most large national banks diversify their deposits and they're more regulated and have less exposure exposure to the investments that that really hurt SVB, to your point. Right. Roughly 56% of SVP, SVBs, say that three times fast, yeah. deposits were locked up in securities compared to someone like Bank of America right. at only 28%. So a huge difference there 
And, and I think the lesson that we wanted to talk about too is is diversification. Even even banks need to be diversified, right? Right, right. And, and I mean, banks have a, a bigger exposure than you personally as an investor. I mean, of course, right. Their big exposure is liquidity because all of a sudden, if some if a depositor wants money out, they have to give that money to them. Right. You know, and if they can't because they have illiquid investments like equities or long-term treasuries that have lost value. I mean, there's all these pieces that play in. So they had this perfect storm happen where, right. Yeah. You know, they, 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 the, the, the bonds, they the, knew the they overlay. were in trouble. They tried to raise capital because of the issue of now they're having to go sell bonds at losses and, and other illiquid assets. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a bad scenario for them at once. Um, you personally, as an investor, shouldn't have that kind of a liquidity issue, right? I mean, hopefully you're right. not all at one time trying to pull all your money out. But to me, the investor, <clears throat> what you can learn from this is just back to bonds, right? The, the thing that really caught them is bonds. You know, they they invested right. in what they thought was a secure investment, and it is. But, but the, the bond market had its worst year in like, what, 40 years? Yep. But but the challenge with bonds is this, because everyone likes to think they're safe, and they are, as long as you hold them to maturity. Right. You know, and the company doesn't fail, which, I mean, the U.S. Treasury, so they're, that can't happen, right? I mean, if that happens, there's okay. worse problems in the world. Um, sure. But the, the problem they ran into is they weren't holding them to maturity, right? So they bought longer-term bonds where now interest rates rise, the value on those bonds drop, they were forced into the point of selling it. And that to me is from an investor, how you can learn from this is understand where bonds should and how they get positioned. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, if you're looking at bonds as a liquidity, you know, hey, I'm going to spend this bond money early on, you shouldn't be investing in longer term bonds. Make sure maturity matches when you're going to need liquidity, even though you want to chase the higher yield, I get it, Mm -hmm. but you could get caught in this very trap, right? And anyone that had bonds thinking that that was going to be my safe money, last year saw the effect of rising interest rates oh, without a doubt and yeah. if you needed the money it had to sell them now you're selling them at a loss and that's exactly what happened to svb we get we it's easy to kind of go well is this going to be another layman brothers you know moment right. <clears throat> and that kind of thing but a lot of things were also put in place after the 08 financial crisis to kind of help with some things there. So there's a lot of, I was looking at another stat about bank failure since 2009. Uh, it's pretty staggering. It's like 900. Um, yeah. It's a lot. And you think, wow, holy moly, right? So there's only one, well, two now this year uh, thus far, zero the last two years, four in 2020, uh, four in uh, 2019, zero in 2018. So, I mean, it does happen from time to time. So, Absolutely. And most of the time you don't hear about them because they're small little banks here and there. But this but being, I think, tech are- and being Silicon Valley, and, right. and a lot of tech companies were had their their holdings there as well, right? So I saw right. and that, that's like where these big depositors. I mean, there were some massive investor tech companies with cash, you know, who are also downsizing. There. there also been kind of restriction. We've seen all these right going on. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it, it was with this. It's not from what I'm seeing so far a widespread concern at all. Number one, okay. yeah, it's SVB is a very niche bank tech company. Yeah, I imagine most people it, don't have. Anything in their portfolio there. Right. You know, Signature on the other end, uh, the New York Bank, other coast, right? I mean, their problem is they were a crypto bank as well. I mean, they diversified into accepting crypto as deposits. Okay. And had a huge amount of crypto on their balance sheet and, and got overexposed. And they tried to pair that back. 
Oh, okay. All right. So they ran into similar issues of, you know, not liquidity concerns, people running in the bank. So very kind of niche scenarios, Um, you know, so not at all what you would expect at a normal bank, you know, so um, widespread. No, I I don't see a concern with this. But I mean, this brings back in, in mind of, you know, FDIC, right? How does it work? Don't count on them stepping up to the plate every time and, and making everyone whole. That's not what it's designed for. FDIC is there for bank failures like this that, you know, not meant to cover the across the whole the whole industry. Um, so understand how FDIC works. What is that limit? The 250 per account type. Right. And ownership really is what it comes down to. So, so if you have got a substantial than- amount of money at a bank, just mm-hmm. make sure read the FDIC rules and we can put a link up on the the, yeah, uh, the podcast so you can see exactly what those are, but just understand what that coverage is, you know, and and making sure you don't have too much at one bank in one type of an account. Yeah. You know, and back to our conversation about diversification, right? So, right. You know, yeah, we, talk it, about, we preach about it all the time in different right. aspects, but there's certainly a lesson in here too. Yeah. I mean, and I've even been telling clients beyond that. I mean, it, to me, it's not even worth going to that, that level. I mean, diversify across more than one bank because you don't want all your eggs in one basket. If one bank fails that you're, you're at, you know, uh, yeah, FDIC should step in and, and make up for that as long as it's under the, the 250. But the issue there is you don't want that to happen. And now you've got that money tied up, mm-hmm. you know, have it in other banks too. So if you've got two or three different banks or credit unions, you know, yeah, you can have one bank that that's your operating money. You, you don't have to mess with that, but just don't right. keep a big surplus there. Right. Maybe have a couple other banks that you have your surplus money at that if you're keeping a large amount of cash, you know, yeah. just make sure you have that diversification that you're not counting on one or two big banks, you know? And, yeah, I mean, and I think I'm, I'm, a- I'm concerned with this whole concept of too big to fail too, right? I mean, that's where everyone's running now is these big banks. Right. Hey, at the end of the day, there's no such thing. <laughs> it's too big yeah, to I fail. Saw, I saw uh, one company had like 400 million in assets or something, and it's like that's a little more than the FDIC number. Uh, right. I, well, I know that's different, but it, for yeah. the sake of kind of driving home the point, right? It's like let's just let's be smart and reasonable. Maybe don't have a million dollars sitting in cash in a in a, in a bank. Why? You know. Right. Right. Yeah. If you've got a million sitting in cash, anyways, that's a whole other problem. That's but. a whole other. <laughs> Right. Especially for for the average person, right? So for the average right. American, this shouldn't be, and again, we don't have a crystal ball. We have no idea if things could continue to get yes. worse. People can panic and always make things worse. But yes. if we don't, if we keep a level head, this shouldn't affect most Americans, correct? Right. Yeah. I mean, right now, this isn't a uh, a systemic across the, the board risk. I mean, okay. these, these are two very specific, unique scenarios at the end of the day, it was caused by concerns with the bank and, and people running on the bank trying to get the cash out that forced the closures. Yeah. So you if we know, don't panic and make a mad rush. Right. And, and that that's where the FDIC came in and tried to protect that mad rush. You know, it went yeah. beyond the normal FDIC rules and uh, allowing the 250, ensuring beyond that, just so that it would help calm the system. Yeah. Okay. So that, you that's- know, come Monday, it's not everyone's going to their bank and there's lines out the door trying to grab their money. And and yeah, I mean, if that happens, FDIC is not going to be able to cover that. 
There's no, nothing no. going to cover that. No, and then we'll have, have real problems. problems. Yeah, we, we right. don't want to do that, folks. So yeah. uh, there's been a lot of news out there. Hopefully that helps a little bit as well for the folks that check out our, our podcast. As Phil said, we'll put a link up to FDIC rules yep. and stuff like that. But if you have questions, if you're worried about how it might be affecting you, then definitely Phil's had a few, you've had a few clients reach out to you. Right. Talk with, if you're, even if you're not working with Phil, call your advisor and just say, hey, anything to be concerned with here? Most, right. uh, most people are not their portfolio was not in something that was probably affected by either of these banks. So right. it should right. be, you know, should be okay. But again, always check before you take any action, mm -hmm. uh, you know, anything, anything else we kind of missed Phil? No, no. I mean, that's, that's really the key check before you take action. And to me kind of, you know, we mentioned the, the, uh, correlation back to the individual investor is understanding right. bonds, right? Cause yeah. I mean, that's the, that whole liquidity issue is what caused SVB to have the, the massive run that they did. And the huge losses that they sustain because they're trying to cover that run. So don't yourself get caught in that liquidity issue of investing in bonds, thinking that that's my safe money that I'm going to pull from. Because if they're the wrong type of bonds, they're not, the maturity isn't set to your liquidity timeline. Mm -hmm. You could end up getting caught just like they did where bonds are down and now you're having to sell. So. Okay. All right. So that's our take on the situation. Again, if you have some questions, reach out to Phil 248-888-7530, 248-888-7530, or stop by the website, philstaxhacks.com. That's philstaxhacks.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, and check out new episodes when they come out on whatever format you like to use. We'll see you next time. Phil, thanks for hanging out, buddy. Yep. We'll catch you later on Phil's Tax Hacks and other retirement facts. investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.